Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. So, hi and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And a new guest today, um, by new, I mean, I've never met him before, um, except for five minutes ago, which was great. And he's called James Boardman. And he's a fine figure of a man sitting in front of me. He's a man with, like myself, with what I can only describe as lockdown hair. And yeah. uh, slightly more than me. <laughs> but you can tell when we're doing this, just as we're emerging from the lockdown, and we're all sort of, you know, we're all sort of emerging, blinking into the light. So hi, James, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for having me and being here. I know the this my hair hasn't been this long since I did my last tour of Afghanistan. I had a huge beard the huge curly head, a little bit more hair back in 2006. So um, I kind of feel like I'm in that state of mind again. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is odd. And you see the two approaches, don't you? You see um, people who have been cutting their own hair. Yeah. Or people who've been doing that, you know, have got a set of clippers and doing that everything off type jobby. And yep. people who just sort of surrendered. I think Boris Johnson surrendered himself to it <laughs> on the basis that if he cuts his hair, everybody in the press will be at him. Who cut your hair? <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for him to shave it all off. So he's up yeah. there and he just, uh, that would yeah. be a great uh, stopping show. Yeah. Because he's clearly bald, isn't he? He's, he's a Trump, isn't he? He's, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Boris Johnson and, you know, his hair, hairy problems. Let's talk about you. So, James, um, Introduce yourself. What is it you do today? Um, hi. So, uh, obviously, my name is James Borman. Uh, and right now, um, I help men um, to, if you like, rebuild their lives. Um, and um, I try to help build and mentor guys to a much better state of mind to living the way, the way they live their lives, emotionally, physically, and mentally. And um, I try to create what we like to call in our world um, an elite operator mindset. And the elite operator mindset is, is, if you like, an alter ego that we set our standards upon. It's what we build our character around, our values and our principles to performing life in, in, in our four pillars, which is health, um, relationships, personal development and our business. And uh, I like to help guys um, I used to help guys try and get fit and, and hit their nutrition, but not a lot of people used to follow it. And they always used to fall off the, the, the bandwagon, if you like, you know, the, of the flow of the um, of the flow of the, the program. And I always wondered why. And then I started looking into the bigger picture, you know, the, the chaos of life, the responsibilities, the conflicting identity. 
um, the, the, the direction that they were going and realized that a lot of them were falling into the chaos of life. And because they were falling into the chaos of life, it stopped them moving forwards with their physical health and their nutrition. So I changed my tactics and worked on the key root of the problem, which was the levels of control, levels of consistency and the levels of clarity in, in terms of where men were going. And instead of just going, this is how I'm going to get you fit, getting fit was just a 5% byproduct of introducing all of these key fundamentals in this state of mind. So my job role now is to guide and help men to build that elite operator status. Right, brilliant. Well, you've got me plenty to go out there. So um, <laughs> I, I don't take umbrage at this um, uh, question because I know you know what, what it's driving towards, but what gives you the right to talk to guys particularly? Because it's not like you've got a big track record in the army or anything, is it? No, 100%. And so the way that I see this is that the reason that I wanted to do this and I'm so passionate about this is that when I left the Royal Marines in 2000... Ah, tell me the, about that. So you were in the Royal Marines. Because I think Marine. that's important, isn't it? I think yeah. there's a lot of guys out there who, who hear this soft and fluffy message and they think, well, it's all soft and fluffy because you've trained as a counsellor and you've done all this stuff. But you've come from the other end of the, the continuum, haven't you? You've come from that real roughy-tufty thing. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the, the way that I see this is that everything I talk about is based on experience, not not out of a textbook, if you like. So a lot of the words that I use, a lot of the subjects that I use, the, the mindset, the processes are everything that I've gone through and everything I've used to get myself to where I am today. Now, when I left the Royal Marines, I did. I served as I served for eight years. Um, had a fantastic career. Uh, I um, I'm st still am a little bit in love with uh, the job and I was massively in love with the job, but I was in love with my kids more. And the I didn't want to be a weekend dad. You know, sometimes I wouldn't see my kids for three weeks. Sometimes when I went to Afghan, I wouldn't see them for six months plus the four months building up to that. So it's mm. almost a year now. And, and it was starting to take its toll. And my dad died when I was five. So I knew what it was like to grow up without a dad. Right. Okay. Um, and then when I left, uh, the reason I decided to leave was because I wanted to be a full-time dad. You know, um, I wanted to be a soldier. I loved doing that. I loved my role. Um, I had a fantastic career, but I wanted to be a full-time dad. I wanted to be at the Christmas plays. I wanted to see uh, them, go, them growing up, putting them to bed, giving them cuddles, giving them advice. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, I've got another, when I left, I had another 12, maybe 14 years left in the military. Yeah. You know, I, I could leave, I would be leaving in about four years, four or five years. And by that time, my two big ones would have moved on yeah. and, and be gone. And I would have missed all of that. Yeah. So that's and why. They, and they would have missed it as well. And that's, they would that's, have missed the, it. that's the biggest problem, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. And and I know what, and, and, I, and I think my experience of my dad dying and having to um, grow up with a stepdad who I never really got on with, who was an emotional bully. I, I wanted to be that role model for them there and I wanted to be them. And the sacrifice was leaving the job that I loved so much. Yeah. But I think maybe, but was I naive? I'm not sure if I was naive. I'm, I'm not sure. I just thought I was going to breeze straight back into normal life. And um, for the three, my, my whole life, changed dramatically over the three years of leaving the military yeah um it's often the case isn't it I, this, is, yeah. this is a familiar story i hear 
Yeah. You know, this, been, this, I'll not, just, you know, open the door and everyone will go, ta-da, yeah. dad's yeah. back, you know, let's yeah. all hail dad, you yeah. know, let's thank yeah. him for his service and his sacrifice. <laughs> and then suddenly you realise, actually, you know, they're not really sitting there waiting for you at all. No, <laughs> I, I think the, uh, so the struggle that I had, and I, as I grew myself, as I developed myself, and as I worked to myself, the, the, the true root cause of the issue was Nothing that I did in the Marines, nothing that I saw, none of that really affected me, but it was the confliction of identity. Right. Um, now, when I left, I was a I was Sergeant James Raw, uh, uh, Sergeant James Borden, and Royal Marine, and um, I was well respected. I had worked very hard to get to the point where I was. I felt part of something. I felt like I was uh, part of something bigger than just myself. I felt purpose. I had a mission in life. You know, I had all of those good things, you know, I, I knew where I was heading. And then when I left, all of my values, my principles, my character, the, my way of living, everything that I had become over the sort of eight year career that I had um, was lost in yeah. the civilian world. You know, I, I, when I left, I, I came back as a teacher in a college and I taught public services and outdoor education and the 16 to 19 year olds. The difference between working with them and then working with motivated recruits that were wanting to be there versus kids who just didn't care, who yeah. just weren't interested, they want a phone party. We all know the 16 to 19 year old. We've all been there. And I, I just didn't settle in and I just didn't settle in. And I, and I, I ironically, one month after coming out, went back to re-sign re, re up and um, I went back to the careers office. And I went back in and the chief said, are you sure you want to do this? I spoke through with my wife at the time and she supported me. And um, I went back in and I signed for my medical documents to be released. And I looked like I was going to be back in by the end of the year. And then I never got a call. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I thought I was going to get a call by now. So three weeks later, I phoned up and said, I just wanted to follow up. And the chief of, of staff, who was at the careers office at the time, had left. And I said, well, I had worked with this guy to get back in. And he said, I don't know anything about it. I said, well, this is a situation. Would you be able to do this for me? And he went, I sort out the forms. Another three weeks passed. I hadn't heard anything. And I just never followed up. Mm. <laughs> Some, there, was, there was something in the universe that just said, don't follow up. Just see this through. Yeah. And I, it, it, it's almost like fate presented itself that that wasn't my life anymore that that wasn't my path that yeah. you know that was a quick reaction impulse because I felt lost at the time yeah um but what followed and I knew things weren't right were I was breaking down which meant that my marriage was breaking down which meant that my life was breaking down and fast forward on two years I was divorced um I was living um, seeing the kids half of the week mm. I was on the bones of my backside financially because I'd taken a, a 15,000 pound pay cut to when I left the military and come home so I was struggling to keep the mortgage and it all come to a head on one night um, where it's really hard to explain but I, I was just wasn't thinking very clear and I and I I kind of almost thought about just ending my own life and I was going to do it through an overdose I was going to drink a load of whiskey and had a load of pills and I was just hoping it was all going to put me out and um, it, it was a really, really, really dark evening. 
and um, it was about two o'clock in the morning and I just looked up and I just really looked at the picture of my two kids who who um, were the people that I left that life for the people yeah. that I came home to serve and be that role model for and be that leader and then I thought about my dad dying I was like how are these guys gonna deal with that if, if I do this like and it was just enough there was just enough like realization about what I was doing to get out the house and go for a run and or run walk and, and I did this for three hours mm. and um, I reflected on my life I was laughing I was crying and when I came back I felt so clear-minded you know that storm had managed just to temporarily like drift move to make me think what am I doing oh my goodness and that was the pinnacle point that that, that there was the lowest point I would say in my life okay. but that was that was the crux to turn things around well let's unpick a little bit of that if we could because you've sure. said some quite important things there so the first thing is that um often often people who've never had suicide ideation which is the constant talk about suicide Wilk, uh, Wilk and can commit suicide, and it's as random as that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, male suicide is very different to see it. See it. We've had a lot of um, suicide practitioners on here before, particularly about men's mental health, and you know this idea that men will commit suicide just on almost on a not on a spur, but almost you know on a single decision. You know, yeah. shall I just do this or shall I do that? Do that? Oh, or shall I just commit suicide? And it's like that, and it's actually very hard to to um, sort out. And this idea that there is always a last thing that the suicide person will look for. And it'll always be reaching out to the side of themselves. So to be to the family like you did or to a stranger, you know, people who often stop themselves committing suicide, just say something to a stranger and the stranger says, hey, are you okay? And it's that thing, if anyone ever talks to you, I think it's that thing that you have to watch out for because male and female suicide is so different. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. of course, what you did is one of the classic things, which is you went for a run and you went for, you know, cause you were a fitness guy, you ran for three yeah. hours, you were in a hypnotic state. And it sort of proves the value of that sort of process. And it's sort of cleansing, isn't it, to do those extreme physical things. Now, you can do it for three hours. I'd manage it for 20 minutes. We'll probably get the same emotional results. But it's important, isn't it, that that purging thing takes place. Yeah, 100%. And cleansing is actually the right word. I've never used it that word before. But that is, I often visualise it. I like to visualise things. So I imagine like this cocoon. And I don't even remember that film. Mm -hmm. Uh, the cocoon and I often think one of them and when I run I really felt like I shredded it, it yeah. like I'd got it all off and I, I I felt if it's crazy to say reborn like you know I was like it was an awakening and I, and I use that word because it's quite a strong word I it was an awakening to we're going to turn this around you know and it, it the, the mindset shift the state of mind from literally the space of a couple of hours of being not really being very clear-minded to suddenly being crystal clear that I had a purpose in life and that was yeah. these two kids and this is where I'm going to, this is yeah. how I'm going to improve. They're going to be the leverage for my change. Yeah. And what's fascinating, again, two two other things. One, which is identity. I mean, Mills tend to have this thing of saying, hi, my name is X and I'm an accountant. We sort of equate our jobs with identity, yes. don't we? And what you're saying there is really, really important because... You know, when you see older people who are being displaced or made redundant or losing their jobs or something, this is often what the, the cause of real problems for males in their 50s and 60s. I mean, it is when you're younger, but you've got more time to sort of bounce back, which yeah. is which is OK. But the second thing is that the way to solve this is a sense of purpose, because you can replace identity with purpose. And I love the way you've talked about that. And it's a sort of it is a flip, isn't it? 
because yeah, men are you know men are pack animals you know in the sense that you know we do like to belong to a team we do but sort of naturally belong to clubs and such like and yeah. you get a bunch of guys together you'll see the you know the pecking order immediately establish itself yeah and so if you lose all that and I was always taken to the fact that when you were in the army, you were a sniper, which is quite a lonely thing, but you're still within a group of specialist snipers. So you yeah. still have that club thing going on. Yeah, 100%. So, Definitely. you know, you, you you solve identity through purpose, but and sometimes that purpose is selfish. You know, in other words, it's focused on yourself and sometimes it's bigger than yourself. And I think, you know, that, you know, your thing about reborn is, is not a word to be ashamed of or awakening. I think they're great words because I do think we stumble through life a lot of the times almost half asleep don't we and then suddenly we wake up and we have this moment of shocking reality yeah. don't we and it yeah. sounds like you've gone through that process yeah definitely um uh, one of the things one of the words that we use now or the mantra that we often use you can see actually on my hoodie there mm. is um remember the mission mm. one of the things that we i feel works really really well for men is to have an emotional connection to an outcome or an emotional connection to live again yeah. um one of the things that I often hear many men saying and, and females to be honest but a lot of people is I'm not motivated yeah. now for me motivation is just like an emotion like happiness or sadness and it's it's an emotion that like that just comes and it, and it just disappears and it's not substantial enough for change and we talk about an emotional connection to the mission so yeah. what is your mission in life and one of the things I get my guys to do through my programs is create a 10-year vision a 10 year yeah. mission. So it's like, where do you want to be in 10 years in those four pillars that I talked about? You know, what is the thought process? And we often talk about the 1% a day process. Now, the 1% a day is the minimum requirement to show up to improve yourself. So instead of suddenly feeling a whole sense of pur purpose, acting very impulsively, very emotionally, making a change for one or two or three weeks, then going back to the old way of living. Instead, we try to teach that this is long term. This is your North Star. This is gives you clarity of the direction you're going. This gives you a little bit more control of your time and energy. And this gives you a, cons a consistency. And if you're just doing your 1% a day, every single day for a year, that's 365% improvement. And along the way, you're going to find some big wins, some big changes, some big aha moments, like what we yeah. spoke about, like like what I found. I see many guys have that epiphany that like I like, oh, my God, I just I didn't realize it until I was punched in the face by life. And I realized that I've built up some resilience yeah. and I've built up how to deal with that better. I've got more control of the situation. And then when we have a bad day, we realize it doesn't matter anymore. Because yeah. one bad day doesn't mean one bad month or one bad year. It just means it's a bad day. And then we wake up tomorrow and we go realign with the mission, repurpose ourselves and we go, okay, it's not in the, in the biggest scheme of things. One day is nothing no. in the biggest scheme of a 10 year mission. It's nothing. So we wake up, we go again, we build, we build and we learn. And I think it's that learn, grow, repeat process that really develops the mental yeah. resilience to the mission it does because actually in order to have build resilience you have to fail you have to actually you have to you know to drop behind because that's the point isn't it otherwise yeah. if, you, if you never fail you never have resilience or you never consciously build it and your point about the one percent a day is right i think i like that because i forget 
someone famous and good looking once said that something along the lines of we overestimate what we think we can achieve in a day and we underestimate what we can achieve yeah. in a year. Mm -hmm. And I, th I like that because I think when we talk about purpose, it becomes it becomes limited. And then we we try and do too much and then we consciously fail and then we don't stick at it because actually we haven't, you know, we haven't learned to embed the thing that we're trying to do. So you came out, you came out, you went through this process, you were reborn, you had this sense of clarity. And so and so what was that clarity all about? Um, I'm guessing it re, you, you sort of rethought your purpose and what you're yeah. going to do next. Yeah, so definitely. So it, it, the irony of this was that maybe a couple of months later. Um, I found myself in a grievance with the, the college that I work with. Um, so as a side hustle, I worked as a PT and I did a couple of classes just to earn a little bit of extra money on the side. Mm. And um, I used to hire the hall at the college and senior management saw this and felt that um, uh, I was conflicting. It was conflicting with my main job role and like typical corporate and senior management. I think they were just after blood, basically. So we went through a grievance um, and I had a, I had a great union member leader and, and we come to the conclusion they had nothing on me, but that relationship um, was unworkable anymore. So I had no choice but to leave. Yeah. Uh, and they sent me on my way with a, with, with a, set, uh, a settlement. And I kind of looked at that as an opportunity um, to change. It was like, wow, the world is my oyster right now. And I went into business for myself. I've, I've never thought about wanting to run my own company. I, have, I didn't have any idea how to do this, but I went all in and um, I started my own business, my own local boot camp. And um, I worked every hour. I literally was awake or not with the kids. I lived on YouTube learning how to run a business, yeah. um, how to market a business, how to market myself. And through the process, I found many new friends. Um, I found new drive and purpose. And I remember there was one particular point, it was about six months into this journey and we, we were seeing success. And, you know, I had maybe about 150 members from nothing. And I suddenly remembered and reflected six months earlier, maybe six to eight months earlier, I was about ready to end everything. Like I was, you know, and mm. It was a real penny drop moment is that, wow, look how far I've come in six months. Imagine where I'll be in six years, you know, and it was an incredible journey. And that journey lasted like, you know, right through to 2017 when we decided um, when we decided to start the new business venture, which I'll come on to. But through that journey of self-development, I learned more about myself. I I allowed myself to let go of this uh, of the sergeant james boardman identity yeah. i said goodbye to him and i took what i needed from that identity to help me become stronger minded mm. and i took the roots and everything that i felt um in terms of values and principles and character to strive me on to be a business owner yeah. and to meet somebody new and make new friends and live a new life and as soon as I allowed myself to drop that and allow myself to realize I'm not a Royal Marine anymore and I allowed myself, I'm a, I'm a dad, I'm a business owner. I'm just James Boardman. That's enough. I'm happy with that. Yeah. That really allowed me to move on with my life. Now, now that's, I was going to move on now just there and talk about something else, but no, I, you know, there's the old idea of stop, start and continue. And this idea that you can't start something new until you stop something. Yeah. So you've just said something really significant. I just want to unpack it a bit. Um, that was enough. 
I am this, this and this, and that was yeah. enough. So tell me a bit about that, because I think for a lot of people, the, they're so worried about other people's perceptions of them, aren't they? Yeah, they don't get to that stage of saying, actually, you know, I'm proud or grateful for just being myself. 100%. And I, I, I think there's often quite, I think many people that I've met or along my journey or learning about business is that I feel like a lot of people try to become the best version of other people. Yes. Um, and I feel that they are very, we as a community and society can be easily influenced now with the, with the rise of social media and celebrities and games. And we always try to look at somebody else and try and think, I really like that person. I really like that person. And you end up taking traits off each of those people. Yeah. And one of the reasons I should maybe come back a little bit, my first couple of years of business, that's what I did. And when I used to do videos or content, I was actually, my, my partner actually turned around and said, you sound just like so-and-so yeah. who you watch. And I was like, I got to do. So what I ended up doing was I'm following everybody, um, not watching anybody else and allowing my own character to develop. And I asked mm. myself, what do, what am I happy with? And I was happy with just being a, a guy who made a difference, who had a nice family. And that was enough for me. I didn't need to be anything else. And I feel that, when you when you have clarity about your values and your principles in life and your character and what the outcome is and and this is around the time I was really developing my vision my 10-year mission it was a case of what is success to me well success is not having a bank full of money not having nice cars but it's waking up and being able to see my kids take my kids to school pick up my kids be able to see my family every single day when I think about the worn torn countries I've been in and like I see what's happening around the world like you know I'm, I'm rich in time which I never used to be and and that really was enough for me yeah but I had to go through all of those fate like we like I always tell people to fail more the, the more you fail yeah. the more you understand yourself the more congruent you can be to what what it is that you believe you are and you don't have to be frightened of the failure 100 percent and and I think that's what I did and I and in terms of insecurity, I've become more secure in, in, in who I am. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about what other people thought. There was no fear in, of judgment anymore. It was like... But, but, if, but, but just to leap in here, now I want to you know, think about, because yeah. I'm sure you're going to say you do this, which would be great. But um, it's easy to fail when you're with people. And it's actually quite hard when you're, when you're really on your own to do the failure thing. Because actually we all, we're social animals. We all need that... It's not one of these terrible rah-rah networks, but we need people in our lives who are there, like coaches. Uh, yeah. And I know I spend a lot of time with all people's, you know, as senior exec coaches coming to me, and they know it all. They've got it all. They're stuck in some sort of way, and it's sometimes just saying, "You've actually got this." Yeah. You just have to. You just have to let yourself believe it. It's permission. It's almost asking for permission. So, like, I have a mentor. So. I mentor a lot of people. I mentor, yeah. I mentor really successful CEOs. I mentor really successful businessmen and women and who, who are very successful, but yet sometimes they just need to know it's okay yeah. to do A, B, and C. And, and I'm the same. I have a mentor who I, like, I know what I'm thinking. I know what I'm going through, but sometimes just talking it through with them right. gives me the clarity, you know, and that yeah. clarity makes me feel secure. And I think it's I think it's an important thing to say here, and because it's a particularly male thing, because the way we work with mentors and coaches is very different from the way women work from mentors yeah. and coaches. Because I coach both, and and I and I know the difference in a the content, the process, the subjects, and such like. 
but there is something about being on that team you know you are on team boardman or you yeah. know whoever whoever the, yeah. the, the you know the thing is i'm on the team of the person who i'm working with and i think it's it's just that thing is as a man isn't it it's okay for an elite athlete or a golfer or a sportsman to have a coach but why isn't it okay for an elite business person to have a coach and the answer is it is because actually you know, we used to talk about the elite, um, the elite corporate athlete, and, and you're using a similar sort of phraseology there. And I think um, a lot of guys really miss out on this idea that it's a sign of strength to have a mentor or a coach in your life, not the reverse. In fact, it should almost be on your CV. I work with X, Y, these coaches, you know, who actually are part of my team for me to have top performance. I agree. A hundred percent. You know, I, I, I've had a mentor since I remember my first mentor, it was maybe 2014. Yeah. Around 2014. And I, I've never gone through life now without one. Yeah. And I don't truly believe I'd probably be in the position without one because, you know, mentors are people who have failed ahead of you and have gone through what you want to, to go through but they guide you through those troubled times yeah. and and there's nothing right it's like being a parent right where yeah. I, I don't just look at myself as dad i look at myself as a mentor and if i see a situation you know i've got a 15 year old girl i've got a 13 year old boy the most testing times and and i can see what's going to happen and sometimes i think to myself right i need them to understand failure here so i might not step in so they need to fail yeah. but then we talk about it and they understand so it's yeah. Yeah. you don't want to always swerve the failure sometimes actually what comes out the failure is something better than the swerving. 100%. And I think, especially in business these days, we're so we become so risk averse. You know, yeah. this this problem about taking a career limiting decision is a real issue. Now, uh, I need to um, be very mindful of your time and considerate. And I, and I know I could sit and chat to you all day, so I just need to stop doing that immediately. Um, <laughs> um, so, so t tell me a little bit about how people can get in touch with you and what they're likely to be able to get from you um, if sure. they work with you. Yeah, definitely. So um, I, the, the Man Coach Company is, um, like we've spoken about, helping guys out. And the way that we do this, the way that is, um, we run a free five-day challenge. Now, this five-day challenge is about, if you like, opening your eyes to where you are in life. And over the challenge, I'll just go very briefly through it. The first day we look at a life audit about where we are right now. And I don't think we do enough self-reflection. Self-awareness mm. for me, I feel is the front door to the way that we change. If we're not prepared to accept where we are, it's very, it's the, the barriers there already in terms of yeah. change. So the first day um, presents the opportunity of where are you? Let's be, let's have some honesty and some truth. The second day is just a little bit of um, activity, physical activity. And the reason that I want people to do that is because physical activity for me, like I spoke about with that run, cleared my mind. And many men haven't done anything for a while or really challenged themselves. So I give them a little challenge and most of them come out of it going, oh, my God, I haven't felt like that in years. Mm -hmm. And it really opens up the feel good factor. Mm -hmm. We then on Wednesday talk about priorities, you becoming the priorities, putting the oxygen mask on before helping others and where you come on your priority list. Uh, and then Thursday, we talk about morning routine and a little bit about other routines, which I feel is super important. Yes. Um, and then on the last day, we talk about forward thinking, you know, where do I want to be in 28 days, setting some goals for 28 days. So it's completely free. And um, we set the challenge in the morning we give people an opportunity to ask questions in the afternoon and in the evening I come on live and we chat for about an hour on, on, on the subject. Um, to, to get hold of all of that, you can go to my website, which is themancoach.com. Um, uh, 
um, or you can go to Facebook, The Man Coach, which where I run a morning show um, on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, half eight in the morning, Rise to Thrive. Um, my podcast is A State of Mind and my book is A State of Mind is um, on Amazon. Now, um, I must just talk to you about your book because um, um, it's very funny, your book. Um, so I don't mean it's very funny. <laughs> let me just reserve. <laughs> so first of all, let me just say this. You've got a, something like an aggregate score of uh, 4.75 on ratings, 411 ratings. A lot of people I talk to have got th three ratings, you know, and it's, and it's obviously their friend and their mother and the dog, but you've got 411. <laughs> but the funniest thing of all is your number, because everybody has, you know, five, four, three, two, one ratings. I always like to look at the one ratings. Oh, me too, I love Because it. actually you've got some brilliant, brilliant things on there. But all of the ratings that which are level one are, I didn't read it. I know. I, know, I, know. Bizarre, <laughs> I bought this, got to page 10. It wasn't for me, which is what? actually, well, why did you buy it? Because it's quite obvious what it's for. But, it, but I think it's highly hilarious because everybody that doesn't like it hasn't read it. Hasn't read it. I, I know. I, I did so a case nice. study on it because yeah. I did exactly in the same way. Let's look at the three guys that, yeah. that rated me one. I think you passed page 10. Yeah. Yet on the bio, it explains exactly what it's yeah. about. And it just, yeah. uh, it's but funny. that's good. And, you know, um, I think that's brilliant. You've got, you've got a real breadth of things. You've got a podcast. You've got you know, all those different things. You've got people, a way for people to access you. So let's just be really clear, themancoach.com. Is that it? That's the yeah. website? And then what's yeah. the name of the podcast again, which I'm sure you can find on all the normal channels? It's called... Yeah, it's Spotify um, and uh, iTunes and Podbean. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But what's it called? It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind. Brilliant. So we kept it in the theme with the book. So the yeah. books, it's a state of mind. The podcast is a state of mind. Brilliant. Um, you, you can also, I'm, I'm doing a vlog in a minute. So I'm vlogging the year um, of how we're developing, getting through everything. So that's on YouTube, the Man Coach TV as well. So if you want to see a little bit of reality behind the stories. Yeah. And um, I have to say that all that learning you did on marketing is absolutely brilliant because I'm paying a load for marketing and mine's not half as good as yours. So congratulations. <laughs> so I think much. I need to come to you for marketing. Jen, <laughs> it's been a joy to talk to you today. today. Um, um, so, you know, and perhaps this is just the beginning because actually I, there's enough for us to talk again at some stage. I'd, I'd love, love to. Yeah, when definitely. you bring the next book out or something, please come back and talk to us more about this. I don't think we talk enough about, I think we talk too much about mental health and not enough about men. And yeah. just met, you know, those sorts of things, because actually we often need it more. But there you go. I'd love to. It's been a pleasure. It's been really good chat. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Super. Well, look, you look after yourself. You too. Thanks ever so much. Thanks, Thanks guys. Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed. And if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.